Well, man, it is great to see you. It is awesome to be home. Um, one of the things, if, if you're new around here, if you've just come the last couple weeks or something, my name's Ken, one of the pastors, and I've been gone for a couple weeks. And one thing I can tell you is it is always good to be home, but God did some incredibly powerful things um, while we were uh, away in Cambodia. And I'll share a little bit uh, of that with you while we, um, you know, as we get a little further into the service. But I have to tell you, um, I, I just love this place. Not just because, as we always say, Newberry Park's kind of the end of the rainbow, right? But it's because I love our church family. I love what we're doing together. And I, I've got to tell you, I, I don't know that I can properly convey to you the incredible difference that our church family is making in parts of the world all over the place. I, I wish I could, I mean, I'll, I'll do my best in, in, in some ways to share with you things that are going on, but I wish I could, I wish I could really help you understand that, that as we as a church family come together, as we are involved in places around the world, that God's kingdom is moving and God's kingdom is doing powerful things, and you're part of that. And so um, I'm just blessed to kind of get to go and be the ambassador for, for that and in some incredible ways. And I just want to thank you for those opportunities. Thank you for being a church family that is uh, generous and who gets that the kingdom of God is, is a worldwide thing. And so we, we certainly enjoy that. Um, we finished up um, last week a, a sermon series that doesn't really ever end. Uh, we, we're, we called it Go 2020, and it was about taking our faith and going um, out with that and helping other people embrace faith in Jesus Christ to, to come to know what we've discovered, and that is, is that life in the kingdom of God, life with Jesus at the center, is simply, quite simply the best way to do life. And, and that Jesus calls us to partner with him to get that message out to everybody, because the message is for everybody. The kingdom is for everybody. And um, on your seat, um, one of the things, you have a ball, okay? I think you have one. If you have one of those, pull, pull that out. Um, if you don't, reach over to another chair, maybe, and, and grab one of those. But um, the first thing that, that we talked about in the series was that it's, it's not just by our power that we're partnering with God. And that blows my mind. It blows my mind that, that God said, hey, in, in the kingdom process of, of getting the news out, um, you know, if, I think if I was God, I would have said, let's send the angels. They'll do a really good job, right, of getting the message out. But he looked down there, and he looked at you and me, and he says, nope, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to use them, right? And, and every time that just blows my mind that God says, yeah, I, I'm going to use these people to take the message of hope and love and salvation in Jesus Christ to the rest of the world, and I'm going to use them. And, and oftentimes we forget that, that that's God's plan. God's plan is to use us to do that. And as we, we talked about partnering God in that, we said that the first thing that we need to be doing is that we need to be praying because it engages um, ourselves with God and what he's doing. It helps us to see uh, what God is up to. It helps us prepare. And, and quite honestly, it's the most powerful tool we have for engaging in faith sharing. And so we asked people to, um, to write names of people that they knew that did not have a relationship with Christ on, on these balls. And now you have one of those in your hand. We, um, we've collected now uh, um, about 1,000 of these. 
Okay, we have a thousand names that as a church we're praying for on Wednesday nights and Fridays. Uh, we have a prayer groups that come in and we've been praying over all of those. And um, so they're being prayed for. And so, and, and I started to think about this in terms of, you know, like we have a thousand, a thousand names being prayed for. And if we are diligent and actively praying for these, like what if, what if 10%, what if just 10% ended up finding Christ? That's 100 people. That's 100 more people invited into the kingdom of God who, who will be part of the family forever, right? Now, I think God can do more, obviously, than 10%, but, but even if just 10% came. And so what we asked you to do is to, um, some of you wrote down three names. If you didn't, you can just write them down anywhere. Just think of three people who need to know Christ and be praying for those. We said set your alarm um, at, for 3 o'clock every day. Um, I would choose p.m., but if you want to go a.m., go for it, you know. Um, uh, you know, coming home from Cambodia, you know, it's like all of a sudden your eyes open up at 2, 33 o'clock, and you're like, all right, so just pray for them anyways. Um, and pray for your three, but, but what we want you to do right now, because we, we want to take this seriously, and like I said, this, the series is not over. We're going to keep this going really, really all year long, um, is I want you to look at the name. Look at the name on the ball that you have. And we are actually right now just going to take a minute. We're going to give you 30 seconds or so, and I want you to just pray over that name. And not just that name, but pray for the person that you don't know that wrote that name on there, right? Just pray that God would bring opportunity for that person that's on, names on the ball, that they might hear the gospel, that their hearts might be open to it, and that the person who wrote it down may have an opportunity either with this person or somebody else to share uh, the message of Christ with somebody. So take a minute right now and just take 30 seconds to do that. Father, I, I just I lift up this, this name, Kendra, to you, Father, and I, uh, I pray, Father, that um, uh, you would open her heart uh, and that she would have an opportunity to hear uh, the message of Christ. And that, Father, uh, the person who wrote this, that, Lord, uh, either with Kendra or someone else would have opportunities uh, throughout this week uh, to share the incredible story of salvation in Christ, and that, Lord, you would um, give them courage, uh, boldness, um, and the words uh, to share that incredible message, um, Father, and so may you move in both of their lives, and pray that God, um, Kendra, uh, would become part of your incredible kingdom. Lord, we thank you, and we praise you that you want to use us in this endeavor, and pray, Father, that we would be faithful to that. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. So step one was prayer. The next step in this whole thing was care, right? We did, we did prayer, care, and then share. I want to thank Pastor Devin and, and Pastor Jim for, for filling in while I was gone. Um, and, and the care part was that after we pray, that we discover ways to care for people. And, and one of the things that we said was that you care beyond what's expected, okay? That, that, that you care in ways that people would go, wow, that's, that's like really... Caring, right? That's incredibly kind or that's generous or whatever it is. And that you care for people to the point where somebody would say, like, what, what would cause you to do that? 
And the, the, when you care to the point where people go, wow, there's something different about you, like not everybody might do that, then, then we come to a place where people will start to ask questions and those become opportunities for us to share the message of Christ because he loved us so much that, that we now care for others. He had compassion on us, so now we share compassion with other people. And then lastly, uh, what Pastor Jim talked about last week was this idea that we, after we have prayed and after we care, uh, then we share because your story matters. Your story is special. Your story can make a difference. All you have to do is tell it. And, and um, I'm convinced that if we will take time to write down our story, last week they passed out cards. There's some in the back if you want to grab another one if you didn't get a chance to do this. Write down your story of how you came to faith in Jesus in 300 words or less, okay, which should take like three minutes or less to, to tell it. And if you do that, um, I, what, what I've discovered is this. If you will take the time to actually write it down, it will kind of awaken something in you so that you will see, sense, and be able to seize opportunities to actually use what you've written. If you don't have it prepared, you, you know, you'll just go by certain situations and you don't have anything to pull from, right? If you actually write it down and think about it, then when opportunities come, you're like, oh, well, here's where I can use that, right? And, and, and so it helps us engage in that. So I just want to encourage you to do that and be prepared for that. Um, and, and then if you can, take an opportunity to share it maybe with someone you're close to this week and just say, hey, I want to try out my, my, you know, my story, my testimony, and say that to someone so that we're ready because we want to be ready and get others ready. So we need to be prepared for that. And so that's something that we'll just keep reminding ourselves about uh, throughout the year. And our hope is that sometime by, we're, we're thinking like by Easter, that somehow all these people whose names we've written down, that we will have an opportunity to either share with or invite them in, invite them to Easter or something like that. And that we're going to see God do some powerful things because of your faithfulness to continuing to go. And I had the opportunity to go, um, you know, this last couple weeks um, with Barry. We had a great time visiting our brothers and sisters in Cambodia. I'll share with you a little bit of that um, in, in the, later on in the message. But one of the things that, um, that we realize is how big the kingdom of God is. Um, and, and as we think about the kingdom of God, I, I was thinking about, you know, today's a Super Bowl. You'll see these places at the Super Bowl where, like, before the game, there will be some groups of, of uh you know, guys on, on the teams who will gather around, they'll gather up in a circle and they'll pray, right? And um, I, I was asking somebody, I said, I, w I wonder what they pray. Like, do they, do they really pray like, God, help us win, right? Or do they pray, you know, help us not get hurt or whatever? I said, asked somebody, I said, what do you think they pray? And somebody said, well, they pray the prayer that everybody knows. And I said, oh, what's, what's that one? What's, what's the prayer that everybody knows? And he said, you know, you know, the, 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 the prayer. And I was like, well, what prayer is that? And they said, the Lord's Prayer. I said, oh, you know, and I thought, that's true. I've been to lots of places. I've been to places that aren't necessarily, you know, faith-based events and things like that where people know and actually recite the Lord's Prayer, right? I mean, there's people who wouldn't even call themselves believers who, who know the Lord's Prayer. I'm guessing just by the sheer fact that you've shown up at church this morning, you, you probably at least know what that is, and, and most of you would be able to recite it because if I said, our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name, your Exactly. Your kingdom come, your will be done as earth, in earth as in heaven. See, you know this, right? I mean, it's almost like kind of just ingrained in people. And when we pray that prayer, our Father is in heaven, hallowed be your name. You know, we, we're like, hey, God, you are great, you are mighty. We, we know that about him. But then we say this next line, it says, your kingdom come. 
and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. What, what do you really mean by that? What do you mean, Lord, your, your kingdom come? I mean, is, is it here already? Are you, are, you know, are, you, are you missing something? You need it to come? I mean, what, what, what is that truly all about? And, and I was thinking a lot about that and, and what that meant. And I, I believe this is, this is what we're saying. When we pray that prayer, when we say, your kingdom come, what we're saying is, we want what's happening up there to happen down here. Right? We're, we're praying that what's going on in heaven, we want that to happen down here. That we want God's will and the way he wants things to be done down here on earth the way that it's happening up there in heaven right now. We want God's kingdom to expand to the point where we experience heaven here and now. That we don't have to wait because, I, you know, we, we believe, hey, someday we'll get up there. But you don't have to wait till we get up there to experience God's kingdom. That, that we want the kingdom to come in the here and the now. And we believe that Jesus teaches that that is truly possible, that we can experience God's kingdom in the here and the now. I mean, God's kingdom was the main topic of Jesus' teaching. I mean, Jesus taught more about the kingdom of God than anything else. Secondly, it was on money, which is quite interesting. Right after Jesus, you know, we, we talked at Christmas time, you know, he's born and everything, and then we don't know a lot about his life until he begins his ministry at about age 30, and he comes and he's baptized. As soon as he's baptized, um, he goes and he is in the wilderness and is tempted by the devil for 40 days. Then immediately following that, there's a passage of scripture in Mark chapter 17 that says this, from that time on, Okay. From that time on, Jesus began to preach, repent for the kingdom of heaven has come near. He says, hey, the kingdom of heaven has come. Now, how did it come? How did it come near? How did the kingdom of heaven come? Well, it came because the king had come. And, and where King Jesus reigns, it becomes kingdom territory. And in Jesus' teaching, he gives us a glimpse into the kingdom uh, especially in, in Matthew chapter 13, the whole chapter is just time after time he said, the kingdom of heaven is like, the kingdom of heaven is like, the kingdom of heaven is like. And he says things like this, like the kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed good seed. And he, he goes on to say, you know, some of the ground is ready for that and the, the, the seed takes root and it grows. Some ground is too hard and it rejects the seed. And what she's telling us, hey, in the kingdom of God, some people are going to accept it and pull it in and it's going to bring life and some people will reject it. And we know that that's true. Then he says, the kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed. It's the tiniest little seed. But once it takes root and gets planted in the human heart, it has the potential to grow something amazing. Then it says, the kingdom of heaven is like yeast. And once a little teeny bit of it gets inside, it starts to permeate everything. And we know that once we allow Jesus Christ in to be Lord of our lives, that he starts to permeate every area of our lives. And that is exactly what he intends to do. And just like yeast causes bread to rise, God's kingdom causes hope and healing and grace and peace to rise in our lives. Uh, he goes on, he says, the kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field or like a merchant who's looking for great pearls. And once they find it, they realize that the value of that 
thing, the value of that kingdom is so valuable that it outweighs everything that they have combined. So what do they do in the story? They go back, they empty their bank accounts, they do a garage sale, they get everything together, they sell it all, and they turn it in and they trade it in to get hold of the kingdom of God because they know that's how valuable this is. It goes on and says the kingdom of heaven is like a net. It says the net that's cast out in the sea, and it pulls, they pull the net in, and there's all kinds of different fish, and some kind of slip out the side. Not everybody makes it in the boat, right? And we know that that is true, too. Then it says the, wed- the kingdom of heaven is like a wedding banquet. We've had a couple of those uh, this last year in our family, and um, it's, a, it's a huge party. It's a great celebration. It's a joyous time with singing and dancing and laughter. If you think our weddings are something, back in Jesus' day, these things lasted a week long. This is a week-long party, and, and so he's saying, hey, the kingdom of heaven is like this incredible, incredible celebration where, where there's joy, and, there, and, we, and we just share love together, and it's this incredible place. But then one time Jesus picks up a little child, puts him on his lap and says, unless you become like this little child, you can't enter the kingdom of heaven. Another place Jesus tells the folks who are rich, he says, hey, it is hard for rich people to get into heaven. And we get that because they want to hold on to what they've got. They think, you know, somehow in the, in the worldly terms, we believe that, you know, that the things that we have and the things that we possess and, and the wealth that we've acquired, that somehow that's our doing. And because of that, it becomes our safety and our stuff. And we find purpose and meaning in that. And he's saying, if you can't let go of that, then you can't have the kingdom Jesus, uh, the kingdom of heaven is, is just absolutely central to the teaching of Jesus. And all over the New Testament, Jesus tries to help us understand what the kingdom of heaven is and how we engage with it because he just says the kingdom life is the best life and we don't have to wait till we get up there to experience it. We want what's up there to come down here, but we want that. We want to be part of making that happen today. So what is a kingdom? When you really stop and think about what's a kingdom. If you look it up in the dictionary and things like that, a kingdom is a place where um, somebody in authority has, has rule or dominion. It, uh, some, um, some of you have a kingdom, okay? And you might not think so, but some of you have a kingdom. When, when, you're, a, when you're like a teenager, your kingdom is your bedroom, right? At least you think it's the place where you can go and like you've got some sense of like, you know, control, right? Like this is your place. Right, and you, you think about that. Um, I, I know one time, you know, my brother thought about that until my dad decided to take the door off of his bedroom. Right, um, but you know, but we sometimes we think we have a kingdom. For my grandmother, my my one grandmother, the kitchen was her kingdom. Man, if you ever got into that kitchen, man, she came after you with a wooden spoon. It was like get out, you know. It was like you don't belong here. Like that. That was her domain. That was her kingdom. What she said ruled in that kingdom. Right. I mean, for my dad, I think, you know, my dad was the garage, um, Lord help us all, but it was like, you know, the, the garage is the kingdom. It's a place where, you know, everything's where you wanted it. Or some, For some of you, it might be your office, your cubicle, I don't know. Um, uh, today we have um, man caves, right, or she sheds, right? And those are places where people think, oh, this is my kingdom, where this is like what I like and it it reflects who I am, my character. This place I can go to shut the rest of the world out, but this is a place that I'm in control, right? I started to think about this. I thought, where's my kingdom? Like, I was like, I don't really know. I don't have a kingdom. So, um, and I thought, I thought for a minute, I thought, well, maybe like, maybe it's my truck, right? 
I thought, oh yeah, my truck, that's like my kingdom. I kind of feel like, you know, I got this big truck, and so you kind of feel a little bit in charge when you're driving it around or whatever. But I thought, you know, when, 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 you're, when I'm driving my truck, I thought, well, it's, um, you know, like the radio, all the presets are set to the stations I want. Um, when I get in my truck, right, and turn my phone on, um, then my, my, the Bluetooth connects to my phone so my truck knows me right, and things like that, and then, like, the steering wheel, the seat, everything, the mirrors are all adjusted to me, right, there's a place where, where, where it's all about kind of me, I'm in control, and all that stuff, and, you know, I, I think it reflects, you know, my style, my character, it's like, this is my place, um, and it's this place where I am in control and don't mess with my truck, right? And it sounds kind of ridiculous, but it's kind of equally ridiculous to imagine that we somehow think that we can have control over or reign over part of the universe that God has created and where he is truly king. I mean, where's your kingdom? Where's your domain? I mean, one of the things that every kingdom has, every kingdom has a flag, right? And so kingdoms, and the flag usually represents something about that kingdom. And so I started to play around with this idea, and I thought, okay, like if I had a, if I had a flag for my kingdom, what might it look like? And so I drew this out. Um, this was a picture of my kingdom, right? And then a little batter, it says this is Ken, the kingdom of Ken, right? And I thought, it's got some things that, that kind of reflect me. You know, there's, there's room. There's a spot there for Jesus. There's a spot for the Bible. Then there's these certificates because I thought, you know, like, go in my office. I got certificates hanging on the wall about education, ordination, all these crazy things. Kind of says something about me. There's, there's certainly a spot, you know, there that my family is there. But then there's, like, my home. And then, of course, my truck is there. Uh, I don't know what would be uh, your kingdom. Maybe, maybe your kingdom is the gym, right? And you put weights on there. Or maybe your kingdom is your office and your workplace. It's your computer. Maybe for some of you, your kingdom is this little device that you hold in your hand, and that's the place that you can control everything, right? I don't know. But, but what is your kingdom? And imagine what that might be. Where, where is this kingdom? And so I, I actually gave you guys a little paper there. It's kind of the flag. And you can take that thing and in the banner just write your name. Write your name down and say, okay, like if, if my kingdom had a banner, if my kingdom had a flag, what, what would be included in that? And you might just think about that and say, where, what are the things that, that, you know, that I think are my domain? And then the question becomes, are we willing like the guys who found the pearl of great price, are we willing to turn in the things that we think are our kingdom and truly make Jesus king over every part of our lives? So the kingdom truly, and if you, if you don't hear anything else about what a kingdom is, hear this part, that the, the kingdom is the place where the king's rule is established and where his values are reflected. Okay, it's the place where the king's reign is established and where his will and values are reflected. All right? And, and that'll be kind of our working definition of, of kingdom as we go through. The kingdom of God, it perfectly reflects God's values, his character, his desires, his will. And those things are done. So the kingdom of heaven is a place of love, a place of joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, goodness, forgiveness, truth compassion, healing. All of those things are characteristics of God. They're the things that he desires for us to have. And so those things reflect God's kingdom. The kingdom of God is a good place. 
because God is good. The kingdom of God is a powerful place because God is powerful. The kingdom of God is a healing place because God's a healer. The kingdom of God is a creative place because God is the creator. The kingdom of heaven is a just place because God is just. The kingdom of heaven is a safe place because God is our protector. It's a generous place because our God is so generous. The kingdom of God is a place of contentment because God can supply all our needs. And the kingdom of God is an eternal place because God is eternal. And the kingdom of God is a place for you because God is for you. And he wants you to be with him. Are you starting to get the point there? It's really about where God's rule is established so over the next seven weeks, we're going to, as we head towards Easter, that'll come before we know it, we're going to dive in and look at what we're really looking at as these, the core values of the kingdom of God, to see how we might be a part of, of answering that prayer, let God's kingdom come and let his will be done, because as we engage with that and we help make that happen in our lives, then his kingdom can come, not just in our lives, but in the world around us as he gets established as king. But that's the point, is he has to be established as king in our world. What, most, what happens most of the time in the world is to, to the world, God's kingdom seems totally upside down and backwards. Because the things that, that are valued in the kingdom of God aren't always things that are valued in, in the world. And, and so oftentimes we're, we're asked to turn away from or, or reject the things in the world to take hold of the things that are part of the kingdom of God. And, and so uh, each week we're going to dive through, we're going to use kind of kingdom as an acrostic, and, and we're going to dive into these a little bit deeper each week. The first, the first thing, the K in kingdom stands for a king on a cross. I mean, most kings sit on a throne. Most kings come with power. They exhibit power over their subjects, and they punish people who mess up or who break the rules of the kingdom, people of Jesus' day, that's the kind of king they were looking for. They thought that somebody would come, that they would overthrow the Romans, get those guys out of there, and that they would rule in power, that they would reinstitute the kingdom like it was when David was king, was there was prosperity for everyone, and, and, and the kingdom would just be filled with God's power. But instead, when Jesus came, we have a king who ends up on a cross. 1 Peter 2.24 says, he himself bore our sins in his body on the cross so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness. By his wounds we have been healed. We, we live in a kingdom where our king didn't just sit on a throne and, and require that we pay the penalty. We get thrown in a dungeon. We get, you know, we had to pay the price. But he realized that we could not pay the price. So instead of punishing us for our sins, Jesus took our sins upon himself. And he took them on himself and he nailed those sins to the cross. I mean, what king does that? What person in power reaches down and says, hey, I'm going to take the punishment for the ones that I love. There is no king like our king. And we'll talk about that a little bit next week. Then the, the I in kingdom stands for inclusive. Unlike man-made kingdoms, they, if, you, if you picture a kingdom, I don't know what you picture. I picture like a castle, right, with big, tall walls. And... Um, you know, when, when we were in Cambodia, they have, they have these palaces, these places, these ancient places. And some of them have these big walls, and then there's a big moat around it, right? And, and then in the moat, you put like piranhas and crocodiles and things to, you know, so keep people out, right? You got to keep people out. Only, only, the, only the right people can come in, right? 
Well, in the kingdom of God, it's just the opposite. The doors of the kingdom are flung open wide, and God, with his arms open wide, invites everyone to come. And when we say everyone, there's no exceptions to the rule. Everyone gets invited into the kingdom. It's radically inclusive. In Jesus' day, the religious leaders tried to make it almost impossible for people to measure up and to get in. But Jesus' teaching about the kingdom tells us a lot about, you know, his examples are about lost sheep, lost coins, lost children. And the radical lengths to which God will go to go out and find those children and to bring them in, to include them in the kingdom. So God's kingdom is not a place where we snub our noses at outsiders or rub their nose in their sin. No, the kingdom of God is a place of radical grace. A place where forgiveness is available to everyone. It doesn't matter what you've done or who you are. It only requires that you come. Come to Jesus. Because his arms are open. His arms are open wide. And he wants to include you in his kingdom. They're open wide to to people like doctors and drug addicts. To teachers. Tattoo artists. Stockbrokers. And stoners. And pilots. And prison inmates. Painters. Plumbers. Even pastors can get in. Right? I mean, and to shock everybody... Yes, even Republicans and Democrats can get in. Yeah, I know, shocking, right? I mean, people that think differently than you are invited in. So we need to be a people who include others, who invite everyone to come in. And so that is one of the characteristics of the kingdom. In 1 Timothy 2.4, a verse we read a few weeks ago, says God wants all people to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. And when he says all people, he means all. God's grace does not come with a list of exceptions. I mean, aren't you glad that God's love is radically inclusive? I mean, if it wasn't, what what hope would there be for me or you or any of us? I mean, God's love is incredibly inclusive. And so then it goes to the N in kingdom is um, is we're going to talk about not to us. Um, in the kingdom of Ken, um, I often want to get some of the credit. I want to receive a little bit of the glory. I, I, I find value in the praise of, of other people, and so I try to prop myself up on the throne. But in God's kingdom, Jesus is firmly seated on the throne, and all the glory and all the praise, everything gets reflected towards him. I mean, it's, it's nice when I can use my gifts or do something good for the kingdom, but the reality is, is that's not about me. It's about reflecting the spotlight on Jesus, about shining a light on him and saying everything that we do is done on his behalf. We realize that the king, our king is the God of the universe. He's done great things for us, and we worship him because he's worthy of our praise. He's worthy of our adoration. Matthew 5, 16 says, Let your light shine before others so that they can see your good deeds. And some of us stop right there. So we can, they'll see our good deeds. But he says, and glorify your Father in heaven. Again, we reflect the light, we reflect the glory back to God, not on ourselves. Even, and sometimes when we approach worship, even here in the church sometimes, we think that worship is all about us. We come in and we sing songs and stuff and we expect them to make us feel a certain way. They, we, we expect them to make us feel like, okay, like, you know, the Spirit's doing something in my life. And, and the reality is, is what are we here to worship for anyway? We're here to reflect the glory on God, to, to sing His praises. And so it's not about us. It's about Him. And we lift our voices with the writer of Psalms 115 and say, 
Not to us, Lord, but to your name be the glory. And we don't touch his glory. We reflect it back on him. The G in, um, in kingdom is for uh, generosity. Um, most kingdoms are about protecting what's ours, making sto- stockpiles of treasure. Um, but God's kingdom is one that's marked by generosity. I mean, there's all kinds of studies that show that generosity, um, uh, that people who are generous are happier. The people who are actually generous are people who live longer, which is pretty incredible. And, and I have to tell you that this is an incredibly generous church. Um, I, I was just reminded of that over and over again while I was away uh, the last couple of weeks. I mean, this church does so much to be generous to, to people outside the walls of this place, whether it's building an orphanage in Mexico or a medical clinic in Liberia and West Africa. Um, I, maybe some of you are here. Late last year, we, we gave um, uh, money uh, in honor of Gary and Carrie Arlington as Gary re- retired. And um, this is the building. They're already, I mean, the foundation uh, is, is all going in. These guys are like rocking it. They, these guys are going to town on the work. And, um, and it'll be a medical clinic that will touch the lives of people all over this area in Western Africa where people would normally have to travel for hours to get any kind of medical attention. And now they'll be able to, to have a clinic there. And students from the orphanage there that grew up in their orphanage are now going to be the doctors in that place. And so it's been amazing to watch that. Um, some of you um, have been supporting pastors in Cambodia. I mean, what an incredible thing. This is uh, at the teaching sessions. These are some of the people uh, that were there. It was just amazing to spend time with them. And on behalf of them, I, I would just tell all of you, thank you. Because our church actively supports what's happening in the ministry of Hope for Cambodia, where lives are being touched all the time by, by the grace of Jesus Christ and, and this powerful ministry. I mean, it, it, it goes to help them in their churches. We got, this is one of the churches that we got to, to be in. We had, in fact, I think last Sunday, right? Last Sunday, this is where Barry and I were in church last Sunday, right here in this place. And you, know, and, and you sit on the floor, you have no idea how tempted I was to come over yesterday and take all the chairs away, okay? <laughs> to have all of us just sit on the floor, right? Because, I mean, we sat on the floor there. And you know what? And, and, and a guy comes in with a keyboard and he plugs it into a car battery, right? And I was like, how great do we have it, folks? You know, and in their humble circumstances, these people are loving and praising the Lord. And, and I got to tell you one thing, one thing that blows me away. Every time that we would get up to teach or anything, these guys, they fill their paper with notes from corner to corner. These guys are just everything you can give. They are just hungry. They're just hungry for it. They're passionate to know the word of God and understand his kingdom. And you know what? In their extreme poverty, these folks are rich. But really, a lot of this happens because of your generosity. You know, these, these churches are built by churches just like ours. You know, and we've been involved in several of these opportunities. And, and it might not look much, but this is a place where the, where, where the kingdom of God gets out. And believe me, this is a long, long way. And that was actually the name of the place, right? We kept laughing because we'd ask Christopher, where are we going? And he'd go, long, long way. And we're like, yeah, this is a long, long way. Long, long way out into the middle of nowhere, right? And, but here it is in the middle of nowhere. The gospel of Jesus Christ is reaching people that it might not otherwise reach. And it's because of churches like us that, that 
are participating in this. And so our generosity makes a difference. There's another church building, um, and this one has quite a story. Uh, this used to be a rice mill um, uh, out in these rice farming communities. And um, it, the, this was donated and turned into a church. It was donated by a lady. This is her picture. Um, her name is uh, M. Chang. And M. Chang has quite a story. You know, you look at this, at this lady and you think, you kind of go, oh, look at this, you know, this kind of, you know, she looks like this indigenous lady in Cambodia or whatever. And what, what you don't realize is just last year or so, um, this woman was actually on trial for war crimes. Um, back in the late 70s, uh, early 80s, she uh, ran, was kind of in charge of a work camp you know, kind of like a concentration camp type of thing that forced people into all kinds of labor. And, um, there were, and thousands of people died in those work camps. Um, she was acquitted because they didn't tie any of the deaths directly to her, but she was in charge of all that. And so over this last several years, um, actually just last couple of years, um, M. Chang, through the Ministry of Hope for Cambodia, and Christopher LaPel going and Finding her, um, she heard the gospel of Jesus Christ and gave her life to Jesus. And, and now this woman, I mean, we got to hear her testimony. You know, you talk about having your testimony, right? This woman's got a story about what Jesus has done and how he's taking her, taken her from a life that literally didn't value others to a place where now she is dedicating her life and everything she has to get the message of Jesus out to the rest of Cambodia. And this happens because, you know, and in some way this is, it happens, it's attached to our faithfulness and the generosity of our church that, that continues to help Hope for Cambodia and other ministries like that to get out there and make sure that the gospel doesn't just stop right here at our walls or our community, but it gets out to the rest of the world. I mean, and God is doing incredibly powerful things. He's changing lives. Amen? What a powerful, powerful thing. So generosity is key. And then the D in kingdom stands for descending into greatness. Our first step towards greatness in the kingdom of God isn't a step up, it's a step down. It's a place where we begin to kneel down and we serve one another. Uh, one day, Jesus' followers, they were all arguing with each other. They were arguing about who would be the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Jesus hears about what they're arguing about. And Jesus, in some very stern words, Jesus starts out this statement to you. He says, hey, you know that in the rest of the world, the people lord over the people. The people are trying to get in positions of power. Then he says, the first four words, he says, not so with you. He says, that might be the way the kingdom of the world works, but not with you guys. That's something that we've got to understand that we need to hear as followers of Jesus, that the rest of the world may do things a certain way, but not so with us. The way that we go about the kingdom of God is way different than the world goes about it. And he says, not so with you. Then he goes on and says, instead, whoever wants to become great among you must become your servant. And whoever wants to be first must be your slave, just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. In God's kingdom, we don't ascend, but we descend into greatness. And the O stands for others first. In Philippians chapter 2, verse 3 and 4, it says, Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, we value others above yourselves. 
not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. Uh, just, just a highlight thing, a serve day's coming up where we put others first on March 29th. And we want you to start looking in your neighborhoods, looking at people around you. And if you know of areas that we can serve people in our community, we want you to start letting us know. We'll start putting some things out to that because we'll compile things. Last year, I think we did like, was like 70 different little projects all over our community um, on behalf of other people. So March 29th, put that date down. But um, we want to be people who put others first. Um, I have to tell you a little story. It's kind of a confession of sorts. Just before I was heading off to Cambodia, I had a day, I had a, I was a pastor's meeting at Los Robles Hospital one morning. And um, so I jump on the freeway at Wendy and I'm driving down towards Lynn Road, you know, to get off and go to the hospital. Some of you have to do this. I'm sorry, you know, every morning you get on the 101 freeway, go in that direction. And it's kind of a nightmare, right? Especially in that area. And um, the, the, the mo- one of the most horrible, like, um, stress-inducing places is, like, just, like, after Ventu Park, and you get to Lynn, and everybody's jumping in. You know, there's the one long, like, exit road that's kind of the on-ramp from Ventu Park and then the exit from Lynn, and everybody, like, jumps into that lane and tries to pass everybody and then get over, right? And um, uh, so I'm a... Uh, I, I'm, I get over because I am going to exit, and I'm getting over, and as I'm going over, I'm, I'm, I can see the exit, and then this person comes flying around and wants to try to squeeze in, right? And my first reaction is, no way, Jose, <laughs> right? And Brenda knows, because she has to drive with me sometimes, the tension that comes when I'm just like, ah, no, cheater, I'm going to box you out, right? I'm going to make, you know, don't do that, Right? And so I'm kind of nudging in, and this person's got their, they, you know, they got the blinker on, but they're trying to squeeze in, and I'm just like, no, no. And I'm like almost riding the bumper of the person in front of me because I'm like, no, you stay away, you get out, right? And, um, and so, you know, and then you do that thing like, I'm not looking at you, you know, all that kind of stuff. And so then, you know, I get off the freeway, I go to the, the hospital, and I'm, I'm sitting down, I'm talking to some of the other pastors, and um, I look at the girl who brings in the cart with our food on it. Yes. Yes, it was. And God does this little thing on my shoulder, and basically God says, uh, Ken, um, yeah, it's not all the other people in the world. You know, it's, uh, it's you. And, you know, it's got to start with us. And we need to be people who will put others first rather than ourselves um, because that's the kind of kingdom that God wants us to be part of. Uh, the M, the last letter, is for more is less. In most kingdoms, more is better. More is just more, and we all want more. But in God's kingdom, we say, no, less is more. More is less. And, and we become people who become open-handed with the things that we have and where we really drop our egos and we just say, you know what? We don't need more the only thing we need more of is more of Jesus and more of his grace. We don't need more stuff. We need more forgiveness. We need more of God's mercy, and we need to give more of it to others. We need to loosen our grip on things and put his kingdom first. It says if we will seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, everything else will be given to us as well. And so we put him first because he is always seeking our best. 
See, our goal is not just to make it up there someday. Our goal, our desire, is to see what's happening up there come down here today. That's the goal. We want to see God's kingdom come in a way that we can see it, touch it, feel it, taste it. And and so that people can get a taste of what the kingdom of heaven is like and say, yes, I want that. I mean, what if we didn't just pray the prayer, but what if we lived in such a way that we displayed the reign and rule of Jesus Christ in our lives every day with the way we interacted with our neighbors? What if we weren't just waiting until we get to heaven later? What if we helped God's kingdom to come here and to come now? What would things be like? See, that's exactly what Jesus did. Jesus brought the kingdom here. He brought it to this time and to this place. And there's no greater place that he demonstrates that than in the Lord's Supper that we're going to take in just a few minutes. Where Jesus said, you know what, I'm going to put everybody first. I'm going to demonstrate forgiveness and grace and love and peace. And I'm going to make that open for everybody. I want everybody included. And I don't need more. I want people to learn to be less. And I want people to learn to love one another. And he displayed that when he took our sins upon himself, died on a cross to pay the price that we could not pay so that we could have life. But not just life later in heaven, but real life now. Kingdom life now. Kingdom life here. And when that happens, how? When his reign is established in our hearts And we begin to reflect his values and his character in the way that we live. And so as you take communion this morning, I want to invite you to just reflect on everything that he's done for you. And ask yourself, are you willing to make him king? And as you do, are you willing to let his kingdom reign and rule in your life? And allow him to begin to reflect the character and values of Jesus in your own life. Maybe if you have a flag, and I don't know if you drew anything on it, but maybe just as a symbol of uh, being willing to take down your flag and then raise the flag of of Jesus, of his kingdom, um, you could just take that flag. You could walk up here and just drop it on the altar. Just say, hey, um, I don't need my flag anymore. I need to fly the the flag of the kingdom of God. Um, Maybe today uh, you don't know Jesus as Lord. If that's you, in fact, on, on a couple of the balls, um, we've been praying through them um, on Wednesday, on Fridays. Uh, you could come on Wednesday at, at 6 or Friday at 5 and help with that. There, there was a couple of the balls that, that said me on there. If me is here today, I'd love to talk to you. Because yes, yes, you do need the kingdom. And God's radical arms of love and grace are wide open, and we want you to meet him. If you need to do that, you can come and talk to me as we take communion, as we sing, um, or even after the service. I'm going to invite our elders, any of them that are here, and their wives to just come up front and be available if you need to pray, if you need to make sure that you are part of his kingdom. Let his kingdom come. Let it come today. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, Lord God, you are gracious. You are mighty and merciful. You are perfect. 
you are holy, you are just. Father, we pray that we would reflect your incredible character and your values in our lives as we allow Jesus his rightful place as king. Lord, we love you, we praise you, we thank you, we can commune with you now. And we pray that your kingdom would come and your will would be done right here, right now. In Jesus' name, amen.